two kids, five and nine, and I want them when they're my age to be able to drive by a lot of the houses that I built and mm-hmm. be able to show their kids that my grandpa built that one. That's a, as important to me as anything. We like to be brought on before they've actually designed the house. That's today's guest, Jason Baker Brady of Monticello Custom Homes. Today, we're really going to hit upon client process. Jason's dialed with a solid team backing him. We get into non-negotiable components of a custom home, warranty of work, gut instinct, and a lot more today. And if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Mike Kenoki, and I'm a general contractor, custom home builder, remodeler in Fairbanks, Alaska, and I've been hosting this pod since May 2021. If you're enjoying this content, please share it straight to the stories in your social media and tag The Contracting Handbook and Monticello Custom. Thanks for following us on Instagram, and let's roll the tape. Do you feel like that even though you explain to people their budgets, you know, if they go over, they have to pay more? that they still don't understand. If there's something that ever does break that should not have broke or new due to normal wear and tear, me and my trades, we're going to come in and take care of it. I've gotten to where if it, my gut says that, let's just step away and let's not, let's not mess with it. And it's proven good in the past because I've had other builders in our market that have taken those jobs. And then I hear about some of the horse exactly. And then just some random order of those trades, because this one's available, but this one's six weeks out. And so you end up doing certain things, uh, not the order you would typically want to lay out a schedule and be able to just kind of follow that is my favorite thing. But anymore, it's every day, every schedule is a little different and it changes. I think it causes more opportunity for for errors to happen, things like that, that we've got to just be more mindful to keep our eyes out for those little things so that we don't find them just at uh, the punch item or punch list time frame of the project. What part of this do I like the best? Then can I fill in the other roles to make up for what I don't like to do so that I can do the part I want? Decided I want to talk to the future customer of Monticello. So try to orient a lot of our posts and videos to that. A lot of the wall assemblies and things like that, we're not, the customer really doesn't have a decision in that. It's one, this is how we're going to insulate your house. System's not put in there just, just to put it in there or add a cost to it. It's put in there for a very specific reason to make sure that the house does perform as it was designed to perform. Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast. Today, my guest is a custom home builder featured in House Magazine, uh, has won numerous awards. It's founder, owner, operator of Monticello Custom Homes, Jason Baker Brady. How's it going today, Jason? Good. How are you doing? Doing great. You know, the first thing I noticed on your website was the videos explaining your process. Uh, I bet this really gets people oriented in the right direction before they even call you, if they took the time to watch the video. Well, exactly. It was, uh, we had, uh, I think two years ago is when I first did them. And it was one I kept had getting, I'd been getting a lot of inquiries about what is the process? What is this going on? So I figured it was worthwhile to just record something in a long series of social media posts to explain that step-by-step how we handle the process. We've done it for remodeling and new homes, and then just compile them all into one long video to put on the website. So the uh, future buyer, future client can see that without having to, before they even contact us. Yeah, I could see how that would be incredibly helpful uh, because you get asked the same questions over and over again. Oh, exactly. And and you can just refer somebody to a to a video, especially if you don't have time, because sometimes you're busy and that phone rings and they, the questions start again. And you're like, oh, take a look at this. Exactly. Now we can yeah. just direct them to the website. And we try to direct a lot of our new leads to our website anyway, to send to fill out the form we've got on there. 
that way we can, as a, or my team, we can all review a lot of the leads coming in and just see once get, I can get their input on the potential client as well of, you know, pros or cons they might see about it, things like that, that uh, kind of helps us, I think, select uh, the best projects. Yeah. And how many, how many homes do you have going up right now? Currently, we have three homes. One's about to wrap up here in about a month. And then uh, we've got three or four more on my desk for estimates or in that uh, pre-construction process. In that pre-construction process, are you sitting down with clients and this is paid work, talking design and finishes and what do you, how does, how does that work? Correct. Yeah, we'll go in there and we, we like to be brought on before they've actually designed the house. If they've started that okay. process, we'd rather be in there before they just come to us with a finished set of plans and just say, here, get us a number on this. Because it, there's too many times that we can see things as they go through the process that this is going to be expensive and it's going to drive you out of your budget. Let's go to this option that can allow you to build and not spend all that money redoing the plans. But we'll go through, we're working on a lot of the finishes, a lot of the goals there, and then uh, working through the estimate. On our estimates, we've gotten over the last probably seven, eight years that we'll go in there and we like to do a, our initial estimate as being, let's throw the dream at it. And it'll probably scare you to death when you see the number, but it's easier then for them to pull back a little bit on selections, decisions, when they've got a number in front of them, as opposed to just uh, paper sitting there. And this seems like a great idea. A couple things come up here. So they're okay with the billing process. You're, you're just billing, billing weekly, bi-weekly and during that time? Uh, or how do you do we that? We bill a uh, $2,500 for the estimate process of ours. Gotcha. And then if we do the job, we'll give them back 25% towards our builder fee. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that, that, uh, that helps kind of give them a little, or give them, a, give them some, give them something back. Correct. They get a little bit time. back, but then we still do get compensated for that time. And then Absolutely. they've got some skin in the game on the, uh, on that process. Cause they're, as you know, it's a, that's a lot of work that goes into that. Yeah, that whole free estimate thing. It's like, well, it's a house, you guys. It's like exactly. I'll give you one for a shoot from the hip and tell you yeah. a number, but that's the only free yeah. thing you're getting yeah. for that. And I'll be and I'll be wrong. Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I the what you brought up there about liking to be there before the, the drawings. You don't want a complete set of drawings. Because in that, you know, it just dawned on me or or kind of came to mind. When you do get the, set, the complete set of drawings, you kind of have to deconstruct the drawings for yourself to, to get through the process. And it, it takes a lot of time because you yep. have to wrap your head around something and process that information. And, and that doesn't happen instantly. You don't just no, look at a set of drawings and say, you know, there's head scratching. And then you got to talk to your, your leads and, and, and your subs and get their input because they're going to see things go, what's, uh-uh. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if we go, if we're helping through the process, we can bring preliminaries, even if we have questions on HVAC, how we think we might, our ideas of how we might duct it, that we can bring that preliminary to them and run over our ideas. And so we don't, again, like we were saying, get that finished set of plans. And now they've got to go back and redo it, or they've got a big trunk line going down the middle because there's no other way to do it with what was drawn. Absolutely. And then, and then, you know, one of the other tricks for me is, is, is engineering. Once you get the project engineered and then you, you, you and your leads are going, Oh yeah. yeah ours, luckily we don't have to get, uh, for our jurisdictions, we don't really have many in the way of engineered plans, but, but more and more of our homes are getting to the size and scope and spans and things like that, that we are bringing one into kind of have there for these questions, these beams, different things like that, because it's, they're just getting too big to trust the uh, lumber yards calculations on it or looking through the code book, anything like that. We want to have somebody that knows their stuff doing this. Yeah, hundred percent, because the open floor plan is, is kind of the norm now. 
Oh, exactly. And, These and 20, 30 foot huge. spans that yeah. just conventional lumber will not do that. Or even a lot of the LVLs and iJoys, they won't even span that unless you're putting them about three inches apart from one another. No, no doubt. Yeah. There's a lot more, there's a lot more steel involved in residential now than there. Yeah, very much so. How are you tracking budgets during these projects with your clients? Because you're doing for pretty much uh, cost plus. Yeah, everything we do is cost plus. Uh, we've got a spreadsheet that for up until now, I developed it uh, for kept kind of tweaking on it. We would go in there and uh, put our draws into there in uh, our area. We have to go in there and we submit draws to the title company and the owner funding but uh we would track it through that and that would track the entire project as well but now we're looking at a new software job tread that is uh along the lines of like a builder trend but kind of getting a lot of that tracking stuff in there that is kind of helping us there because we can track po's as well where my spreadsheet i wasn't able to do that so it just makes it a cleaner there cleaner process throughout as homeowners select things that are more over budget than what we might've budgeted. Now we're, we've got a place we can plug that number in better. Do you feel like that, even though you explain to people their budgets, you know, if they go over, they have to pay more that they still don't understand that they think that in the end, it's going to not necessarily maybe that they don't have to pay, but they've got to, in the end, they'll be able to, some other things will go under to where it's not going to, it'll be a wash in the end. But in this market right now, it's, uh, you're going to be over. There's no, uh, unless we inflate our budgets by 20 to 25% to protect them, that's about the only way I think we could get a budget that's uh, under budget anymore. No doubt that is always the challenge. We used to have no problem with it. We'd end up with a few per, within a few percent almost every time, but now just every material seems to be getting a price increase uh, every few months. Yeah, we just had some pretty big, pretty sharp increases here, and and a fifteen percent increase from one week to the next. Oh, exactly. Is, is brutal. Yep. It's, well, and then you look on the horizon, and you might have another one before the project's done that. You're trying to front load all your ordering, but then you've got to work with your suppliers and different places on who's going to store all this. Uh, if we order doors or windows uh, early that they don't want them sitting around their yard for six months. They no doubt. Uh, that's money to them. And uh, so then we got to start trying to figure out where are we going to put this stuff if we order it early? No doubt. Uh, so on your jobs, how long is your warranty of work for a house? Uh, well, usually, I mean, by the, in Missouri, you've got a, the state of repose is like 10 years really on it, but we'll always tell everybody that, you know, obviously there's the year of everything, but then if there's something that ever does break that should not have broke or new due to normal wear and tear, me and my trades, we're going to come in and take care of it. We're not going to day 366 turn around and just you know start billing them because something something was broke that should not have broke or something that some damage was happened because of that yeah 100 percent. and so tell me a little bit more about the state of repose in missouri so 10 That's years on what no uh, a lot of times it's windows some of those things like that are one that we are kind of on the hook for about 10 years on a lot of those. I mean, so, so are the manufacturers standing behind their product? And, you know, because the only window failures I've ever had were an actual manufacturing error and yeah. manufacturing issue. So, and I, I luckily was, have not had to really cross that bridge on any of it. Yeah, we haven't had anybody either realize it, call it or probably a lot of it is uh, staying in their homes. Seems like every few years people are moving homes. We have not ran into that at all yet. Yeah, I could see that. And, and, and hopefully we never have to. 100%. Yeah, I had, uh, I, I had issues in one home, but it was, it was just a bad batch of windows or something. I don't know. Yeah. Not that's fun. the worst is when you get those products that do that, that you've got a 
got a bad batch or something like that, that uh, now you've got to figure out uh, the fix for it. Yeah. And replacing windows is no fun, especially on a new home. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And once the cladding's all on, if it's brick or something like that, it's not as easy to get back to those. Uh, if you, especially with a typical flanged window, you can't just uh, now all of a sudden you're putting replacement windows in a brand new house that, right. and then trying to air seal and water seal that is uh, quite the challenge. Yeah. I mean, back in the nineties, when we did one by four wood frames around windows and stuff, it wasn't a big deal. Oh, exactly. That, yeah. You know, you know, I mean, it was such a different building standard. Yeah. You just pop those off and now you got free access well, to everything. You can put it yeah. in just like it was before. So now when you're dealing with clients, you know, one of the things I, I encounter, especially now in the current market where we're shorthanded, you know, there's a lot of phone calls. People oh, exactly. are desperate and, and on the phone, I am like, I'm always trying to suss out whether it's a tire kicker, whether I should even go to their house, um, whether I should meet with them. But like that whole sense of if something seems off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust in your gut there is huge there. That's one I, I've gotten to where in the past I've had that with a few potential leads and I have uh, had that feeling that it reminded me of maybe a customer we'd had in the past that things I, the project ended up well, but just how we got along and different things like that wasn't as good that just have gotten to where if it, my gut says that, let's just step away and let's not, let's not mess with it. And it's proven good in the past because I've had other builders in our market that have taken those jobs. And then I hear about some of the horror stories that they had on that. And I just feel backs up the whole idea of just trusting, trusting my gut on that. And then we've even set up some processes just in our, I guess, on our leads. I kind of mentioned it earlier a little bit about the directing them to our website to get them to our, uh, to our team to review and things like that. And then just kind of having them walk through a process to get to that first initial meeting and then how we handle it from that initial meeting that will give them a kind of lump sum very ballpark pricing on the project, whether it's a remodel or a new home, kind of what we think, kind of that gut feeling, what we think it's going to run just so that we don't waste our time or their time or their money. If they're thinking a hundred thousand for a remodel, but we're thinking you're really looking at a quarter million on this. uh, We don't want to waste anybody's time on that process. Yeah. They always think it's going to be 30% what it's actually going to be. Oh yeah. It, with that's what their gut tells them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cabinet should not be 50,000 on this remodel, but it's you're going to be every bit that maybe 70. Yeah, it turns out you have taste, so um, Exactly. And you want all cost- the cool little toys that <laughs> they can come up with in cabinets anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and the hardware. No, exactly. And then that stuff like we're talking earlier just keeps going up in price. They keep getting price increases on drawer slides and door hinges and all that stuff. Yeah. And then lead times. We're, we're like six months out for cabinets right now. That's what ours are probably in that general area as well. We do all custom cabinets and they, uh, they've got a real good process to go through as well. But usually that start to finish is probably about that as we start them. If not right when we start the project, a lot of times before we'll even have them meet with our new clients as we're putting the estimate together to uh, start finding out what they really like so that we can make sure on a full estimate, we are giving them a, an accurate number, not just where I think we'd end up being on it or where the cabinet company thinks we'd be on it since you can change a lot from an overlay to an inset cabinet price-wise. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, we're, we're looking at six months for windows right now too, which is, Oh Yeah. It's it's brutal. Oh, it is. Planning a project. You, up, you can't order your windows almost early enough to be uh, to where you'd actually need them. You right. Even if you order them a month before you start, you're probably still sitting empty for uh, a month or two, and you can't really get into. You can get into your plumbing rough in, but you can't really get into your electrical, or you don't want to get into your HVAC because if it does rain, you're not. You don't want it ended up. Full of water yeah I, 
and there's, I guess, you know, you the, we kind of hold on to the past. Like the house gets framed, the the shingles of the steel goes on the roof, the windows go in, and you're like, lock the door. Yep. You know, give the subs the combo and and roll, and you got a locked workspace, and it's it's just challenging because you don't want to leave the sh- you don't want to leave the plywood over the window openings. You want to cut them out as you go. You know. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Getting the framers to not do that is a, you've got to stay on them about now. Don't, when you cut or put your sheathing on, don't cut anything, just leave it all there and it'll be dark as can be in there, but you'll have to deal with it because we don't get windows for another two months. Well, and the framers don't want to come back. Oh, exactly. Yeah. They're like (laughs) straight ahead, fast and furious. Exactly. We do not. Yeah, we do not want to be back. And we've had to get into some. We've actually brought in somebody else to do our windows and just had the framers pull it from their scope of work fully uh, because of the either the detail of the windows or uh, scheduling, things like that, that especially if we need them on another job that we'll just have them pull that from their scope and their pricing and get somebody else in to put those windows in when they do arrive. Yeah, this is really testing the the way we do things. Oh, exactly. Every day is a little different and every house is a, every house goes together in a little different order than the house before where Mm -hmm. three, four years ago, it was pretty structured on this trade, then this trade, then this trade, not not three visits from each trade. Exactly. And then just some random order of those trades because this one's available, but this one's six weeks out. And so you end up doing certain things, uh, not the order you would typically want to. Yeah, I agree. And that bothers me in a way, you know, it just, it's like, I want, I want it to be in my structured order. I don't want to. Exactly. I'm with you there. I'd say I'm a very, structured and organized person so being able to just lay out a schedule and be able to just kind of follow that is my favorite thing but anymore it's every day every schedule is a little different and it changes and I I think it causes more opportunity for for errors to happen things like that that we've got to just be more mindful to keep our eyes out for those little things so that we don't find them just at uh, the punch item or punch list time frame of the project. Yeah. Total control. I like to have total control. Yep. Um, so how do you, how do you deal with that with your team? Uh, a lot of it is just a, a lot of communication. I've got a superintendent. He's been with me for about four years and then an office manager that's been a little over a year now. And I uh, just kind of still still feel like we're finding our best uh, roles amongst everybody still just on what everybody's doing, especially with this market. But the, uh, but a lot of it is just communication using obviously phone calls, but emails, uh, Microsoft teams, different things like that to make sure that we're all staying in, in the same process, the uh, punch list, through one note and we'll end up moving those over to job tread here soon. And then just scheduling, just trying to me set the major schedule and then my superintendent able to fine tune that as we do go through the process and verify people are coming and things like that. Hire an office manager. Yeah, that was a game changer. I wish I had done it uh, more years ago. That was a, it's freed up definitely some time for me through some of those tasks of draw preparation, invoicing, some of that, that now I don't have to really deal with. I can just manage from the top. I never did that. And it seemed like a dream because I couldn't figure out when I looked at the numbers, how do I create with my margin enough more, enough extra money for that person to come into my business? Yeah. And I waited for a while as well with that same concern that I was, could I truly afford this? Or was this just an expense that finally just with the workload that we had coming up, decided that it was to do it no matter what, that I just needed to take the plunge and go for it. I've known my office manager for quite a few years. She's her husband's one of my best friends. So 
I've uh, been around her a lot and that helped the process as well is that somebody I'm already familiar with and trust a lot. So it uh, helped there, but it was just that kind of leap of faith that we'll, we'll figure out the numbers on it, but it freed up my time to do some other things. And uh, with all the meetings I have with clients and different things like that, it was worth a little expense just for that. Yeah, but I'm sure that if I had gone that route, I just kind of backed down from the amount of work I was doing and went in a different direction. Yeah. Because there's always that, there's that, there's that. Oh, exactly. There's, yeah. There's I'm, no blueprint for this. So we're, we're going, I could go over here. Like there's a lot of different directions you can go. With yeah. Them. And there's just, yeah. How big you want the company to be ever and what you, what you enjoy doing as the owner. It's that's the biggest decision is to figure out what part of this do I like the best? Then can I fill in the other roles to make up for what I don't like to do so that I can do the part I want. Mm-hmm. And finding those people that, that share your values and represent you. And that's, that's a lot of trust you're putting out oh, exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Since you're yeah. sending them out there in front of clients, it's, it's definitely a lot of trust that uh, I've gotten lucky though with office manager and my superintendent's uh, younger. He's only 25, but pretty much came out of high school, worked for another contractor I knew and then uh, doing commercial work. And I'd ask him to come over and I uh, agreed to, but I've known his family for a long time as well. So that kind of helped, but does a lot of is great in front of the different customers that we have and represents Monticello real well in those situations. So how are you getting clients? Uh, most of ours are probably right now word of mouth. Uh, we do some advertising in a local magazine, but that's more for name recognition, things like that. But most of it is uh, word of mouth from past clients. Things like that have helped. Uh, social media has helped, I think, a little bit on people being able to see once what we do and how we do it before they ever maybe even reach out to us. If a past client's given them our name, sometimes you'll notice just you get a new follower and you two months later, three months later, you get a call from that person and, you know, they're kind of checking you out, seeing once what you, how you do your work. Yeah, I noticed that your social media definitely is oriented towards towards clients and explain the processes. And yeah, we I looked at it uh, probably two years ago and decided I needed to probably come up with a a target of who I was talking to when I was either doing a video or doing a post, rather than it just being random or you know did I want to talk to the contracting world or did I want to talk to a customer and I decided I want to talk to the future customer of Monticello. So try to orient a lot of our posts and videos to that. I might be explaining stuff, one that they don't necessarily understand, but I think it still helps that they can see what we do that's a little different than maybe what other guys in our market, uh, how they do things or that they can pose questions as to, you know, we do a lot of rain screens and I uh, talk about them a lot that you know, is the guy, this other guy you're talking to, do they do rain screens? Uh, things such as that. And for everybody listening out there, you can check out these videos on Monticello Custom Homes on Instagram. Yep, Monticello Custom. And yeah, the, that question of comparing apples to oranges with other builders is, a, is an interesting challenge because you're, it's good that you have it's, you have the video so people can see it and, and photos so people can see it. But when you're just trying to tell someone that your house is going to be better, yeah, it's going to look the same, but it's what's in it. What's the, it's the components that make the difference, the stuff they don't see. Yeah, and trying to... I've uh, been talking over the last handful of years, always talking to Jake Bruton and then Steve Basic on that. And they've always explained it well of just talking more about comfort and durability than getting into the efficiency wow. that trying to explain to a customer that we've got one now, they've got a 25 by 15 foot window in their kitchen and 
trying to explain to them that we want to build something that's going to be comfortable, that if you sit on one side of the bar, it's not a drastic different temperature on the other side of the bar because of this large piece of glass right here. So just being able to talk to them about comfort and then that maintenance of durability, because not many people want to do the maintenance their house requires. They want in our market, they want brick because they think it's uh, very low to no maintenance. And those two items have helped a lot in trying to explain that difference as opposed to just getting into uh, efficiency, because then all they start thinking is energy star or low utility bills. And while it's important, they don't, some of them just gloss over and it doesn't matter to them. I agree that that can be a challenge because the long-term well, and if they're only going to be there, if they only see themselves there for three to seven years, it they might not get to that payback on it. That if they're going to spend another $50,000 on some of these items that in that three to seven years, they might never see break even on that. But comfort wise and durability, by far, they'll uh, enjoy that side of it with some of the winters we've been having lately, we'll get some, some pretty cold temps and uh, not, nothing like what you guys get, but cold temps for us. And it, that can make a big difference. Yeah, it, it can definitely make a difference. I grew up in a really drafty house. I just thought it was normal to feel the breeze in the winter, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I hear what you're saying, but then for me and for probably for you, you want that <clears throat> there anyway, because it's a legacy that I want, I want a house I build. Someone be able to say, Mike Kenoki built this house. And the other person goes, oh, I know I'm good to go then. I, oh, know yeah. that, I know that I'm buying a house that was built to last, that was built for efficiency. No. That's really important to me. So I don't want someone to cut corn. I don't want someone to say, well, I don't care about efficiencies. Yeah. You know, well, and there's a lot of those things where they're non-negotiables for us. We'll go in there and uh, a lot of the wall assemblies and things like that, we're yeah. not the customer really doesn't have a decision in that it's one, this is how we're going to insulate your house. And that we've got that one with that large window, they wanted to use all foam, but after looking at everything, the best option was going to rock wool and some exterior uh, rigid foam on the project to get the best R value and the best uh, comfort and durability for the house, given its design and that, but it's, those are ones we, we try to keep the reins on that so that the customers aren't building something that has our name on it, that in that 10 years, like you were talking, you're not, it doesn't look as good or perform as good because we let them kind of drive the, the car down there at wherever they wanted to go. There's definitely non-negotiable, <clears throat> non-negotiable components. And I think that when you hold on to that, the client really respects it. Yeah. Well, and when we can explain how it, uh, why we're doing this and get into, even if it's just high level uh, building science information to them on, here's why we are doing this and here's the benefits you will uh, get from this. And then also that we're standing behind it, that we are running a blower door on the house probably at least twice, maybe three times and showing them we are doing what we're saying we're doing we're getting you a tight house we're getting you a well insulated house we're checking our insulation install from once those guys are done using thermal cameras try to make sure that there aren't areas that are missing that will add to that draft you mentioned earlier that it's we're standing behind it and going the extra step to make sure what uh, we're having as a non-negotiable that we're making sure we are meeting or exceeding what we're saying we're doing yeah, I like that. And I definitely use the healthy air. Jake's big proponent of comfort and healthy air. But Steve yeah. and Jake, yeah, yeah. Maybe I haven't always put it that in those terms for clients, but you know, you tell them that you close the bedroom door and within X amount of time, the CO2 levels get toxic in a bedroom. And you don't, you're not sleeping as well. You're not yeah. getting the you're not getting the air you need. And explaining air tightness and, and why you need HVAC or HRV, whatever you're doing where you are. That you know, starts to hit home. Down here. 
yeah, that it really starts to hit it hit home for people. And and then you explain, well, you know, if the house isn't tight, then we can have mold issues. There's like there's all these little things that need to be explained to people. No, oh, exactly. Um, yeah. And they start to really get it. One of the one of the neatest things is I was in a I was in a continuing ed class for my residential endorsement license. And and the instructor, it was about air. Closed all the windows. There's 35 of us in the room. It's summer. And he's got a CO2 reader right there. And air was toxic so fast. Oh, I can he's imagine. Like, he's like, do you remember being in grade school and falling asleep in class? You know, like, it's, it's not just because you were tired. There was no oxygen in the room. Yeah. That's no a really and ventilate right. That's right. And when they're in, uh, just build it as tight as you possibly can. There's really not too tight and just, uh, but make sure you always have continuous ventilation. And uh, we'll even set up sometimes uh, a lot of our bath fans and things like that with humidistats on them for one for occupants. So they remember to turn them on because everybody's horrible about turning them on, but kind of as a little backup as well, if humidity in the house gets too high, even if the ERV or HRV in your guys' climate can't take care of it, we want to go in there and uh, have that backup to get that moisture out of the house, even if they're out of town at the moment. And when they don't, I've, I've had people say, oh, I didn't, I, I'm not running my HRV. And I'm, yeah, you have to. Yeah. Because you're, if, if you're, you watch, your windows are going to freeze over. You're going to have issues. You've got to take care of your house. Oh, exactly. And we, gotta, the system's not put in there just, just to put it in there or add a cost to it. It's put in there for a very specific reason to make sure that the house does perform as it was designed to perform. You won't go to a car and just pull the, an air filter out just because it, no, I don't think I need this anymore. Your car's going to not perform as well. 100%. Yes, your house is a system you need to you need to maintain. Exactly. It's, not, it's and you and, and and it takes a fair amount of training because we weren't that was not houses that we grew up in. No, no not at all. No, our, my house ventilated itself. Yeah. You can always see those. I had a buddy send me a photo of a he lives in a different state of a remodel he's having doing and you see the insulation on the wall that's got that's all uh, normally pink but it's uh, black and all that that like they're using the uh, air is using that as a filter right now so while you've got that open you probably need to clean that up and seal that up better so you don't just filter air through there continuously yeah and that yeah when you're when you're not doing these extra added steps this non-negotiable components i it just increases your liability later down the road oh yeah and that's the big one there is just playing that liability game i think is just not doing things that we can all uh, take off our plate that we're not going to have to worry about this down the road because we, we covered ourselves with uh, those non-negotiables or just decisions we made with the, with the client throughout the process. At this point, is Monticello Custom Homes doing competitive bidding? Uh, no, we don't. We've uh, over probably three or four years now, we've moved away from that and I, uh, We'll give that initial gut price to somebody if they're still talking to other builders, but we're not going to get into a full estimate. Even with our retainer or pre-construction pricing, we're not going to get into that with a client because we get to where, like we were talking earlier about apples and oranges, it's too hard to know that they are for sure comparing two like bids that uh, there's a lot of guys in our market that do things uh, less expensively than we do, but there is a difference. It's not not going to perform as well, not going to be as durable, uh, not going to be uh, as comfortable as what we're going to build them. Uh, they might look the same from the outside, but in a decade, they're not going to look the same. Ours is going to hold up a lot better than what theirs will be. So we've just decided not to not to get into those situations anymore. It's a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. been good. Yeah, 
if people want competitive bids for houses, I think they're, they need to rethink what they're doing. And now it's, it's just too hard to do a competitive bid for a house. Yeah. I'd I'd agree there. Well, and then they're just not, uh, they're shopping price then more than anything. And I mean, in any, uh, situation, there's always price quality and time, but you can only have two of those three items, which is one question we actually ask our clients at that initial contact is rank these in the right, in that order. And if price is number one, we can usually weed them out right away because we know it's not there. We're not going to work well together on that because we're not trying to be expensive, but we, a lot of the processes and things we like to do aren't the least expensive item out there. Yeah. I like that. The, the Freudian slip, when you started answering that question, <laughs> rank these in the right order. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's the deal. Right. Yeah, right exactly. <laughs> yep. Why do skilled trades matter? You need guys that know what they know what they're doing. I we've uh, we've been lucky and held on to a lot of our trades that do have very good skilled skilled guys, and they're starting to bring in younger guys to help fill those shoes. As uh, electrician, plumber, everybody's got has guys that are closer to that retirement age and they've been able to bring in some younger blood to help take that on and teach those people under the wing of somebody that knows really what they're doing not just going to a class type thing what do you value most just building something that's going to be around for a long time i want to i've got a two kids five and nine and i want them when they're my age to be able to drive by a lot of the houses that I built and Mm -hmm. be able to show their kids that that grandpa built that one type thing. Not, I don't want, it's not, I mean, the money's always obviously got to be a part of anybody's equation, but that's uh, as important to me as anything. That legacy. Exactly. Who was your mentor? Uh, I think my dad probably. He was a mechanical engineer and worked not in the building trades. He was a, he did it for a little while with my grandpa that was a builder, uh, kind of north of where I'm at, almost right between where I'm located and Jake Bruton is, uh, like at the Ozarks. And I, uh, but then went back to engineering once, uh, I believe once I was born, just for that more regular paycheck and things like that, but always wanted to get into to building, really enjoyed looking at all this stuff. And so when I was a kid, we'd go walk around houses that were being framed or being roughed in and just spend an hour there wandering around, figuring out what room is what room and why they're doing this, that, or the other that was being done uh, at that moment. Okay. I'm going to guess your favorite tool. And then I'm going to ask, and then you're going to tell me your favorite tool. So I'm going to, I'm going to guess your favorite tool is your Fleur. Probably so. That or the blower door. That's been a lot of fun to get out on a job site and play with a little bit. Just start figuring out where where all that leakage is coming from. And uh, so that even if we can't catch some of those little things on this project that we can find those for the next one and be like let's double check and triple check those spots to make sure they're airtight i i i've often thought about getting my own blower door just because it seems like fun and then i was like i'll just get distracted but (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the flare is a uh right there with it as well that's we'll use it even for uh if we ever get a call from a past client or anybody just on uh water infiltration or anything like that if it's Mm -hmm. actively water there we can see it and we can go uh, show them and they're all just eyes uh, about as big as a quarter just staring up there like how are you seeing this and what kind of magic is this thing doing yeah yeah that was a cool when i got mine finally you know first i had the little attachment one and then i got the yep the i upgraded and man it was just so valuable and oh yeah, same thing. I had that little one that went on the uh, I think iPhone only at the mm-hmm. time I got mine, and it was it was great. But 
the standalone one is so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, worth every penny. It pays for itself. Exactly. In a At the moment, it didn't feel like it was going to be. Uh, it took a little while to make that leap to spend that money, but I'd do it a lot quicker now if I was looking at it again. Well, everything, right? Everything you oh, buy, exactly, yeah. you're just like, oh, what was I thinking not buying this? Yeah, how did I live without this thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the next question is, what's the most useful tool? <laughs> uh, heck, with my role right now, probably my computer. Mm-hmm. It's what, seems like I spend uh, so much time there answering emails, organizing jobs, organizing schedules, things like that. Seems like it's what I use the most of, but you could get into that FLIR or the blower door as well being the most useful, just kind of show clients what we have said we are going to do that we are actually doing it. Here's the data that shows that we are, we did what we said we'd do. What's the, where have you been on my life tool? Um, gosh, I think just like we were talking about that FLIR probably that one, we just got some of those Viking arm mm-hmm. lifts as well. And those things are amazing. We've yeah. got a large European window package being put in and I've been on the fence form for a while. And finally for that, I got them so made their, their job easier. And it, uh, they ha- have been great for that. These big yeah. several hundred pound windows, they can just fine tune in each direction and, you're not using those airbags that kind of still will allow the window to move around a little bit. These are sitting solid when they're holding that window up. Yeah, they're I I love my Viking arm for sure. And I'm not advertising for them, but I guess yeah. I am. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a it's the I when I saw the price tag and I was like, really? That much exactly used it once and I was like, oh yeah, makes sense. Yep. Okay, uh best job site snacks. Oh gosh, anything that doesn't melt. Uh, <laughs> seems like during the summer, I've always tried to keep something in the truck, but it's uh, usually get into almonds or things like that that won't go mm-hmm. bad if it sits in the car for a while and when it's 100 degrees outside. No doubt. Uh, best job site jams. Clean stuff is what I always tell cut or tell trades. Uh, we've got a sign that has the job site rules and that's one of the items on there is it's got to be clean because there's neighbors, there's customers, or, uh, we've done work on houses where they've got five kids running around. It's like, it's gotta be clean, whatever you listen to. We don't want to hear, uh, from clients that their, uh, kids are learning new words because of what the trades are playing. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a tough one these days for sure. With uh, yeah. my last guest, Greg Eicher, I don't know if he'll be in that order on the, when the pods come out, but yeah, asked if there's a thing you would do differently, what would it be, and where would it t- have taken you? Some of the way I got in or getting going on building and just bringing on some staff earlier, I think I would have done that because we, I feel like even when I brought on my superintendent, I was at that threshold that I was, uh, we're very, very busy. So it was one, I wasn't able to train him in the manner that I uh, wanted to. So it's one where we still keep working our way through the training that if I could have brought him on a year earlier, I think Mm. it would have, we still had the workload to be able to take care of the salary of that position but it would have allowed me more time to run around with him and kind of show him these different areas as opposed to the uh, just kick him in the deep end and here's what I want kind of figure out some of the details on your own what question would you ask the next builder on my show how did you get to, to where you are now the success you have now was it a slow process to get there or were you more you hit the ground running and you just, it kind of all happened more fluidly and naturally. I've took Monticello and me quite a few years to get to the client we wanted to have, but there's others I know that got there a lot sooner than we did. Yeah. I definitely took the scenic route. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've been Uh in business for 18 years now. So it's Mm -hmm. been one, it was probably 
12 to 13 and we did get probably hurt for the fact that it was a uh, we had the eight nine ten years that were uh or oh eight oh nine and ten years that were not much fun to be in construction but mm-hmm. it was definitely the scenic route hmm. um anyone you want to give a shout out to today catalyst construction travis and uh, joe over there good buddies and uh you need to have them on the podcast as well yeah we've talked about it we'll, we're gonna we're gonna get around to it for sure yeah yeah they're good uh good guys we kind of run in the same group them and even uh jake um, will with high cotton those guys are uh all great guys mm-hmm. it seems great like you guys from them. yeah it seems like the 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 midwest crew has a some solid leadership in building science and and the home building industry in, in general. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And just the willingness of those guys, Jake and all them willing to answer questions, things like that. And he came down and helped us uh, start that Shuko window install mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Just show us some tips and tricks on how to put these things in. So it went more efficiently because they do not come with instructions. Uh, if they did, they'd probably be in German. So we wouldn't be able to read them anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sharing that information helps us build a better building community, and then, and that makes us have build better communities in general. And I Correct. Yeah, this is so important. Hey, well, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to me today. Thanks for listening today, you guys. If you found value in the content, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, a rating on Spotify, or if you're in the Android world, a rating on my website. Alternatively, take a snapshot of the episode you just listened to on your phone or a picture of it from your car stereo and post it on Instagram and tag me in your stories. When you leave a review, tell me where you're reviewing from and I'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Thanks for listening and whatever you do every day, remember at the end of the day, it's your legacy. So build a legacy that matters. That's all I got. Later. Thank you.